I'll be reading from Philippians 2, verses 12 to 18. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe, as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Well, we took a week off uh, last week from Philippians, and so let me kind of recap where we're at and where we've been. Uh, Philippians, remember, is written by Paul to Christians who are living in a Roman colony of Philippi. And we know that in Philippi there's a small Jewish population as well as people who are called God-fearers. And those are really Gentiles, people that are not Jewish, who are worshiping the Jewish God, who are worshiping Yahweh. And we know that this letter is written by Paul while he is under house arrest in Rome. And he's trying to encourage the church even while he is physically distant, physically removed from them. And here he is uh, offering encouragement towards unity. And we've talked about that in the last few weeks. He has told the Philippians to live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ. He's encouraged them to have the same mindset of Christ, who being uh, in the form of God, who was everything, he became nothing. And so this is a little bit of what we've been talking about through this letter uh, to the Philippians. And we're going to continue on through this book Uh, through the scripture that was read for us this morning. As we take a look at that, would you pray with me? Jesus, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts, be pleasing to you. Would you just fill us with insight from your word this morning? We thank you for this precious letter from Paul. And we thank you for what we can learn and apply to our own lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Paul continues on in these verses, um, being glad, rejoicing that the Philippians continue to follow Paul's teaching. And, And he says that they're continuing to obey him, how they had done that when Paul was present with them, and how... They have continued to do that even while Paul is absent from them. The Philippians have been attentive to and followed Paul's teaching. And they do that even while Paul is in prison. It's not really Paul that they're obeying. It's it's the way that Paul has come and proclaimed the good news and how the Philippians are continuing to live that out. He encourages the Philippians to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. And when we hear these words, 
or we read these words, we might have pause and we might stop and think, well, wait a minute. Isn't Paul the, the guy who is the, the grace by faith, not by works kind of guy? And so how can he write, work out your salvation? Well, Paul's not really talking about working to earn or to gain your salvation, but he does call us to participate in working out the results of our salvation. It's interesting that God provides the the circumstances and the tools for growing and for learning. What we often call discipleship, or sometimes we call it uh, spiritual formation or faith formation. God provides all kinds of opportunities for us to grow. We know that salvation comes as a result of the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Uh, Salvation can mean a saving from the old way of being, the old way that led to sin and death. But we're also saved for something. We're saved for renewed intimacy with God and with the people of God and to participate in God's kingdom work. Lynn Kohick, in her uh, commentary on this section, writes that Paul sees his ministry as participation in kingdom work. And so Paul, in the way that he's living his life, Paul, in the way that he's going and and starting these little uh, communities of followers of Jesus, is working out his salvation. He's working out the results of his salvation. And he's encouraging the Philippians to continue to live it out, to continue to work out their salvation in fear and trembling. You know, God provides all kinds of opportunities every day for us to grow in our faith or to work out the results of our salvation. And so as we're going through this, this COVID situation, you know, it's, it's natural for us to ask a lot of uh, questions, deep questions. We ask questions about why something like this happens. Maybe we ask, you know, whose fault is it? Maybe we ask theological questions about why they're suffering. I I know some people that are asking questions, you know, are these signs of the end times? And I certainly don't have all the answers to those questions. But it seems at least that there is an opportunity in this moment for people to work out the results of our faith in Jesus. We've got other situations happening around us. Economic instability. And we ask questions about, you know, the government's role. We ask questions about individual rights. We ask questions about caring for the vulnerable. And of course, there's lots of arguing about all of this taking place in our our world, taking place in our government, taking place on social media. FYI, this pandemic exists even in countries that don't have Republicans and Democrats, believe it or not. But the church has an opportunity to work out the results of our salvation, to care for the economically disadvantaged, to care for the physically vulnerable, to care for the the mentally vulnerable during this time, to care for one another. 
It's an opportunity for the church. It's an opportunity for us as individuals to to grow, to think about, and, and to live out our faith. How about racism? It's an opportunity for the church across the the globe to think about the things that define us as a people that follow Jesus. As a people that claim Jesus as Lord, what does this mean for us? How How do we live this out? It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us to think about the ways our history, our culture, our own advantage or disadvantage, our, our status, how these things cloud or the, the way they impact the way we interpret Scripture and the way we interpret events in our world. How about even in our homes? First, we, you know, we've, we've been cooped up in our homes. We've been stepping all over each other's personal space for like you know, four months now. So I, I don't know what exactly it's like in your own home, but, you know, sometimes in, in the Ulm household, you know, we kind of step on each other's nerves every once in a while because there's only so many rooms to go to, there's only so many places to be, and eventually we're getting on each other's nerves. But these are also opportunities to grow in our faith. And so as we, we navigate you know, returning to work as we think about what does school look like, as we look at the extraordinary events that are happening around us, or as we look at the mundane day-to-day events that, that happen in each of our lives every day, these are opportunities for working out the results, working out the, the ramifications of our salvation, of following Jesus as Lord and Savior. These are supposed to have practical implications on our life. And now we have all kinds of opportunities to work that out. Paul writes that, he says, work out your salvation. And this can be understood that Paul is telling the group that they each need to work out their individual salvation. They need to grow in their personal relationship with Jesus. They need to figure out how to live out the results for you as an individual. We're all called as individual people. We're all loved and cherished individually. We need to think for ourselves, how do we live out this this calling? How do we live out the claim that each of us has made? And Paul's words can also mean Kind of a, all y'all need to figure out how to work out your collective, corporate salvation. So Paul could be talking to a, a group of individuals, or he could also be talking to the group as a whole. And honestly, Paul's probably doing both. You know, God loves each of us and loves us enough that we can be connected to a group. And in the group that we call the church, the the beloved community of people who follow Jesus, we have even more opportunities to work out our salvation. Because, let's face it, we don't always see things the same way. And yet, Paul is calling the, the church in Philippi to figure out unity. 
And so working out the results of our salvation can mean trying to figure out this unity thing, doing things together without grumbling and murmuring, figuring it out together. Paul calls the Philippians to uh, work out their salvation in, in fear and trembling. And, and I think for me what this means is in a sense of humility. Recognizing that I don't get it right all the time and, and you don't get it right all the time. And we don't all get it right all the time. And so we're called to work this out together. Can't assume that we can figure it out all by ourselves. So how do we work out our salvation? Especially without grumbling or arguing. You know, when Paul writes this, work it out without grumbling or arguing, he's, he's connecting the people in Philippi back to the story of Exodus. And if you think back to the story of Exodus, uh, Moses comes and he rescues uh, the people of Israel from slavery. And they go through the Red Sea in this, this miraculous event. And they find themselves in the wilderness. And at different times they find themselves without food. They find themselves without drink. And despite the miraculous ways that God has rescued them, these people are often grumbling and complaining. They're complaining against Moses. They're complaining about, uh, against God. They're, they're longing for food, and, and God sends food. But then they get tired of the food. They get bored of the food. And, and so they want more. That's a thing that hasn't gone away, even in Philippi, even today with us. You know, we can find all kinds of things to grumble and complain about. Another way that we can work out our salvation that, that Paul talks about, he says about holding firmly to the word of life. You know, we can put this in one word. The you and I are called to obey. Dietrich Bonhoeffer had uh, something profound to say about learning obedience. He said, you learn obedience by obeying. Let me say that again. In case you need to write this down, you learn obedience by obeying. You just get in there and do it. You know, we often talk about practice makes perfect. I had a, a coach in, in high school who said, no, practice makes permanent. The more you practice something, the more it becomes second nature. Um, and so perfect practice makes perfect. You know, we can sit and we can talk about the theory of obedience. We can talk about learning. But obedience is something you just have to go and do. And you know what? When we try, when we practice obedience, sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes we fail and, and we mess up. But we serve a big God who is always there to, to welcome us back for faith. He is faithful and just to forgive our sins, to forgive those times that we get it wrong, but we come back and we try again. Lynn Kohick, again in her commentary, gives some practical ways that we can 
begin to learn about obedience, to, to begin to follow Jesus and put some of this, these things into practice. You know, sometimes we struggle to learn about what prayer means. And so she encourages, pray using Scripture as a start, and then we can learn to build a conversation with God. We can learn to listen to the Spirit whisper as we read God's words of life or as we listen to music or we can listen to the Spirit as we visit with friends, but we need to learn uh, to obey just by practicing it. And then she writes, we need to be bold because obedience is not for the faint of heart. It takes courage and strength to obey. As we practice obedience, as we practice holding fast to the word of life, it's in this that we shine like stars. And it looks different from the world around us. Let's face it, there's, there's lots of grumbling and arguing aplenty right now. Church, the world doesn't need more grumbling and arguing from us. We need to dare to be different, dare to be obedient. Paul writes that uh, if I am being poured out like a drink offering. See, Paul anticipates that he will be able to visit the Philippians again. And yet history tells us that this is not going to be the case. Paul will indeed give his life as an offering. And yet Paul rejoices at the the service coming from your faith, is what he says to the Philippians. And the word for service is liturgy. What he says is the liturgy of your faith. Let our service, our participation in God's kingdom work be the liturgy of our faith. Let us learn to work out the ramifications of our salvation. And let us see the situations that face us day in and day out as opportunities to grow in our relationship with Jesus. Grace and peace. Have a great week, Spring Creek.